Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, the second chapter. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When when the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far, far beyond anyone or anything ever. So that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. May we receive the blessings of these holy words. So it is a new year, and we are starting a new worship series called Courageous. As we are reminded how Jesus makes us courageous, how being a Christian, being a disciple of Christ, playing on the Jesus team, gives us courage. Courage to be like Christ. Take a look. The world tells us that having courage is all about being strong, brave, and near perfect. But what if being courageous is less about putting on your superhero cape and more about having the strength to give grace? Stepping outside your comfort zone to be vulnerable and being the kind of hero who isn't afraid to stand up for others and put them first. This is the kind of courage that will help us make changes in our own lives and work together towards transforming the world. of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Because when we follow Christ, discipleship means living that lifestyle of Christ follower. When we follow Christ and we live that lifestyle, God transforms the world through us. All God needs is our cooperation. We're going to spend four weeks with St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul wrote this letter from prison to the church in Philippi. Now, Paul was born a Jew. He was a faithful Jew. He was well-educated. He followed the law. He was a Pharisee. And when this Jesus movement began in the Jewish community, he opposed it like many other Pharisees. And he was actively trying to put it down. He um, had Christians arrested. He went and sought them out. We know he was involved in at least one stoning of a Christian. And then he was literally struck down by Jesus. He was knocked off his horse, knocked blind. And it was three days later with the prayer and laying on of hands of a Christian that the scales fell from his eyes and he could see. And that is when he knew that this Jesus the Christ was not just a teacher, not just a healer, 
but was the Son of God. And that changed everything for him. And he took that enthusiasm and that energy that he had, and he put it into becoming an amazing apostle, a missionary. He planted churches all over the Mediterranean world. He'd roll into town and start preaching. He would start preaching that Jesus was the Son of God, and people would listen, and a church would form, and then he would go on to the next one. But you know, he also said things that were political and that got him in trouble and got him thrown into prison. And the things he said was, Jesus is the son of God. Because in the Roman Empire, Caesar was the son of God. So saying that Jesus was the son of God, that was a political statement, and it got him thrown into prison. So the letter we have that we call the letter to the Philippians, Paul is writing from prison. Now, I got to tell you, if I, you know, with a call to preach the gospel and had gone out and planted churches and then gotten arrested and thrown into prison, I would be feeling some despair. And prison was kind of harsh. They basically threw you in a cell and left you there. If you wanted to eat or if you needed blankets or clothing, someone had to bring it to you. So Paul went hungry. Part of the reason he wrote the church in Philippi is they had taken up a collection and sent a messenger with money so that Paul could eat. Well, I would be, if I was in prison, I would be feeling, thinking, you know, Lord, really, you can't protect me? I'm preaching your gospel. You can't protect me? I'd be thinking, is is God weak? Am I a failure? But that is not how Paul felt. Paul felt successful and joyful. And he said, I follow Christ as my model. Christ crucified as my model. Christ who was humble and who was vulnerable. Dying on a cross looks a lot like failure. It could look a lot like failure. And instead, Paul says, that's not weakness. That's Christ with the courage to be vulnerable. This morning, we're exploring the theme of the courage to be vulnerable. In the ancient world, courage was a primary virtue, especially a virtue of heroes, heroes like Alexander the Great, who conquered the whole known world for them, like Caesar Augustus, who conquered the civil war that was happening in the Roman Empire. That's what a hero looked like to people. Strong military commanders who could squash their enemies. Jesus was a very different kind of hero. We could say that Jesus did go into battle, but his battle was not against people. His battle was against sin and death. And he won, not with military might, but by being vulnerable. Because real courage really is not based on domination and knowing that you've got the firepower to win. Real courage is about risk-taking 
It's about putting yourself out there and doing what is right. We know what real courage looks like. It's not about being successful or winning. It's about risk-taking to do the right thing and about being vulnerable. One of the um, most amazing stories I ever heard about courage comes out of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. That was a commission put together in 1996 after the end of apartheid in South Africa. It was chaired by Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And apartheid was this, this awful system in South Africa where the white minority held the African ma- majority in oppression. Um, and like black people couldn't even go to certain areas without papers. And even though they worked as, as domestic servants, they had to live outside the city. There was terrible poverty. And there was a liberation movement led by Nelson Mandela and apartheid was overthrown. During those apartheid years, there were thousands of murders and human rights violations. Desmond Tutu said this about apartheid and about South Africa's history. He said, when the missionaries came to Africa, they had the Bible and we had the land. And they said, let us pray. We closed our eyes. And when we opened them, we had the Bible and they had the land. Well, apartheid finally fell. And the Truth and Reconciliation Commission had two goals. One was the truth, find, you know, speaking aloud what happened. And the other was reconciliation. Victims spoke, perpetrators spoke. Perpetrators could, could um, get, gain amnesty by f- full disclosure of what happened. So at least people would know. Victims um, would receive reparations. Uh, perpetrators would receive re- rehabilitation. And so people talked. One of the stories that came out of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission is there were two people who were, who were perpetrators. They murdered people on behalf of the apartheid state um, to hold folks in oppression, and they were telling everything. They were naming the people. Um, they led investigators to unmarked graves. One of the people that they abducted was a woman whose family just knew that she disappeared and knew nothing else. Well, they abducted her, they put her in a cell naked, and when they came to kill her, she had gotten a hold of like a garbage bag and had made like little underwear for herself with this blue plastic, and it was that blue plastic that helped them identify her remains in this unmarked grave. And with the grave open and her murderers looking at her remains, they said, She was the bravest person I ever saw. We all know what real courage looks like. Even when you're the one who sees courage in others and you think that you are doing the right thing. Courage is about taking risks She took risks. She put herself in harm's way for the greater good. She let herself be seen for the cause of freedom of her people. And she died 
We could call that failure, but apartheid was overthrown. Her mission was successful, and her courage was recognized. It mattered. Brene Brown said, courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. That's the courage to be vulnerable. That's the kind of courage that Jesus had. That's the kind of courage we heard about that Paul wrote the letter in Philippi that Randall shared with us. Paul is sitting in prison, and he does not know if he's going to be released or if he's going to be executed. And he's feeling courageous. His courage comes from Christ. The reading that that Randall shared with us um, is a poem in Greek. We don't, scholars don't know, is it a hymn? Is it a poem that Paul composed? But it has meter and it has rhyme. And he's naming Jesus as this ultimate power. This ultimate power, the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. But that his courage did not come from the ability to dominate. His courage came from his vulnerability. Came from his humility. He lived a selfless, obedient life, and he died a selfless, obedient death. By our standards, Jesus was weak. He was born poor, he was not a military commander, and he died crucified. But things are not what they seem. Jesus wasn't weak, he was humble. He was equal with God, the second person of the Trinity, and he knew it so well, he didn't have to prove it. John Wesley said that Jesus was so confident in his equality with God that he didn't need to prove it to anyone. He was that confident in his equality with God. So he he had the courage to be vulnerable, and that inspired Paul in prison, preaching the gospel. And Paul was actually enthusiastic. He says, the gospel is doing great because I'm in prison. People are talking about me and they're talking about Jesus and and even if they don't all get it right, people are still hearing. They're still hearing the gospel. And it inspired him. It inspired him like those like those perpetrators in South Africa to to talk about Christ on the cross and say, he is the bravest person I have ever known. The courage to be vulnerable. Jesus was vulnerable because he knew who he was and he didn't have to prove it. And part of our spiritual journey is knowing who we are, is knowing our uniqueness, our giftedness, our belonging to others, our core identity as children of God, as siblings of Christ, and then letting ourselves be seen, letting ourselves be vulnerable. And just like Jesus, when they see our vulnerability, now others will join in. Because now they can be honest about who they are. And then they can have the courage to be seen. Part of the job of the church is to be a place 
where we have the courage to be vulnerable and invite others with us. We do that when we gather with small groups and we get to know each other well enough and trust each other well enough to be honest about who we are, to be vulnerable. We do that when we share our joys and concerns during prayer and we speak aloud and share with the whole community our worries and our gratitudes. We do that when we sing in front of others and when we read in front of others. We do it when we encourage each other. Church is fundamentally a place of apprenticeship, of apprenticeship into this Christian life, of learning who we are in God's eyes, learning who we are in the eyes of our teammates on this Jesus team, and then growing in courage to be vulnerable, and then going into the world Allowing ourselves to be seen, having courage in our homes and in our workplaces and in our schools. Courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. And this week, like Jesus, as you are, have the courage to be vulnerable, watch for the opportunities God will give you. God will give you to take risks to be seen, to be wholehearted, to serve others in humility, and then watch as God uses your courage to transform the world. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you are transforming the world, and you are doing it through us. Lord, we have good reason to be humble because we are not you. And yet it is hard to be vulnerable, Lord. It is hard to have the courage to be seen, to be honest about who we are. Lord, help us see ourselves through your eyes. Give us the courage to be like you, to be humble, to be vulnerable, to be seen as weak, when actually, Lord, our strength is you. And then, Lord, give us glimpses of the way you transform the world through us. We pray this all in the name of Christ our Lord. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNY United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.